Welcome to Tech Talks with David Savage and Jack Pierce. You are listening to the Tech Podcast published on Mondays and Thursdays for the love of tech. Coming up on today's show, we're talking to Yassi from Split. We're talking all about API integration into ride hailing platforms. And then we have some news for you direct from the Inspiring 50 UK. Uh, the announcement of the 50 most inspiring women in tech in the UK and its founder, Yenika. Hiya, Jack. Good morning. Happy December. Happy December. Do you want to? Do you want to get it out of the way now? Yeah, Arsenal 4, Tottenham 2, that's all I'll say. We'll leave it there. Any Spurs fans listening, I hope today's really awful for you. I don't imagine many of our listeners care, but... Well, I, I care. I, I knew that we had to let you have, have that. <laughs> let me have that. But more importantly, Dave, the Christmas tree's up in our uh, office, isn't it? Did you it see is. it this morning? And have you noticed that the, the, the coffee shop that we often record oh, in yeah. when, when there are no meeting rooms has a lot of poinsettias? It really does, yeah. Rather pretty as well. This is something that I didn't actually notice about Home Alone when I watched it until... Um, have you ever seen Honest Movie Trailers? Yes, brilliant. Yeah, yeah, yeah really good YouTube channel. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Um, the Honest trailer for uh, Home Alone points out that there are poinsettias everywhere in that house. I've never noticed. You watch the Honest trailer, Go on, like, yeah, yeah. hang on a minute, it's literally bang, 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 <laughs> everywhere. Like, what? <laughs> anyway. Um, it's time to start watching Home Alone and Die Hard, though. That My, my two favourite Christmas films, Bar it's, Elf. It's Elf's a wonderful life. Yeah, sure, sure. Always makes me cry. Why? Well, doesn't it make every man cry? Yeah, but you've seen it. I'm joking. Mate, I, I could watch the last two or three minutes of It's a Wonderful Life. And you'd still... And I'd dissolve in tears. Yeah, yeah, no. Uh, speaking of crying, I started watching a Netflix series last night just called Dogs. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've, watched, seen, I've seen the first two. So I watched the first one and I was just oh, in pieces the whole time. The, the bit, right, no, I, I know that this is not relevant to the show, but... <laughs> Bear with us, listeners. Yeah, we'll yeah, get yeah. back to technology in a second. Um, the scene where uh, the they're interacting with the dogs for the first time. Yep. Uh, and there's there's two daughters. One is epileptic, epileptic um, or has epileptic fits rather, has epilepsy, and has seizures. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and and one daughter who doesn't. Yeah. And they say to the daughter who doesn't, "You cannot pet this dog. Yeah. You cannot give it treats." It has to understand that, you know, if, if your sister is having an epileptic fit, it has to be yeah. focused on her. That whole scene yeah. was heartbreaking yeah. on so many different levels. The parents for the both, the, the, the hope that the dog brings to the family yeah. and its ability to help their daughter, yeah. but also the despair at how difficult life's going to be. The, the tragedy of this, this family that's built up this, we're going to get a family dog, and yeah. then them being told... Dog's got no, a job to no, do. The jo yeah. the, the, the dog works. Yeah. This is why you have it. It's so that it saves life. It's just, I it, genuinely, I did cry. She stormed out, didn't she, bless her? Because yeah, the girl, yeah. Not in a nasty felt, way, no, but yeah, yeah, yeah. You just yeah. felt so sorry for those families. And the little girl who doesn't have the balance. Don't. She oh. she had spinal uh, difficulties, and if she falls over, she's going to have par paralysis forever. So she walks yeah. around holding on to the dog. It's too much. Right. So it's a documentary on Netflix. Yeah. It's called Dogs. On yeah. the surface, you'll go, why on earth yeah. am I going to watch yeah. this? It's going to be awful. Yeah. It's not. It's, it's brilliant. But just on, uh, she did get to pet the dog in the end. The yeah, woman yeah. at the beginning was like scaremongering her. Like, yeah. no one gets it's like, you just can't feed it because that's what will confuse a dog. But honestly, from it's about 45 minutes long. I was like watery eyed the whole way through. Anyway, back to technology. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> now that we've discussed crying. For the love of dogs. No, wait, sorry, for the love of tech. That's why we're here. 
Uh, Yati is our guest on the show. She is the head of partnerships at Split. Split mm. is a company that we first heard about uh, through an article in UKTN written by Sean. There's some really interesting insight here on partnerships, but also towards the end of the interview in particular, some really interesting insight from their perspective on regulation as well. So today's Tech Talk interview is with Yeti. Yeti, you are the head of partnerships um, here at Split. Yeah, that's right. And I hadn't heard of Split until I read an article. I think it was written by Sean Bradley, but I, it was an article in UK Tech News. Mm -hmm. Uh, all to do with your, your latest partnership announcement with C-Trip. Yeah. Pretty exciting, which we'll, we'll talk about. Thank you. Um, <laughs> but as I'd not heard of Split, I'm going to assume that others may not have heard of you guys. So it would be really good to, first of all, just find out who Split are and a very kind of brief idea of what it is that you do. Sure. Great. Uh, thanks for having me here. Um, so Split, um, we're a London-based uh, startup in the mobility space. Um, we are essentially a mobility platform um, that combines businesses or connects businesses through our proprietary APIs. Um, we're mainly focused on ride-hailing um, um, at the moment. We want to expand it into multi-modality um, in the future. So imagine a platform, that's what we are. On one side we have providers or suppliers. Uh, we work with companies such as um, Kareem, Gat, Cabify and Grab. Mm. Um, and what we do is that we connect, um, you know, these, these companies um, inventory or right hailing inventory to businesses such as um, airlines, um, online travel agencies, travel um, management ex and end expense companies um, and, and any app that requires mobility or could use mobility as a, as a service, essentially. So it's predominantly B2B. Um, but as an end customer, imagine that you're, you know, you have you have an airline app. Um, and you travel, you travel from one place to another, and when you reach your destination, you want to mm -hmm. um, either hail a cab or from the airport to your hotel, and when you reach there, um, to the restaurants and so on and so forth. You know, having all of this within the native app that you originally use um, is, is 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 where Split comes in, and Split um, Split enables this by. Um, providing an, a single API integration so that businesses do not need to have separate API integrations with the right hailing companies. How many uh, countries do you operate in at the moment? Um, for right hailing itself, it's more than 50 over countries, um, serving 1.2 billion travelers, giving them access to mobility. Mm -hmm. um, that's over a thousand cities. Um, but when it comes to um, pre-booking or you know transfers that are not on demand, pretty much our coverage is worldwide. And the partnership with C-Trip yeah. opens up, how many, how many customers do they have? Uh, they've got 300 million um, registered users. Which is... Massive. Huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Now, obviously, you've got 1.2 billion yeah. users through other platforms, but yeah. 300 million potential. I know they're not all necessarily yeah. going to be traveling but, yeah. uh, or, or, or need your services, but there's still, still going to be huge numbers that are. Definitely. How does that affect you as a business? Because that, that is a big customer to want to satisfy but equally at the same time you can't ignore everyone else who's helped you get to this point yeah no no that's for sure and it's thanks to our um to our solid network of right healing um partnerships that that, that that we are where we are today um it's it's because of them that c-trip users are now able you know when they go outbound out of china to other parts of the world that they are able to book right healing inventory through the c-trip app mm. using our connection 
So without this, um, without having this solid network of, of Bright Healing Partnerships, basically having our bases covered all over the world from the US to 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 um, to Asia, we're not we're not able to we, we we wouldn't be able to do that. So normally, if someone's traveling, do they log into a split app? No, they wouldn't need to. So split is essentially just a neutral um, API, a middleware really mm. um, that connects these businesses um, and. The, the users essentially belong to the to, to our partners. They they are they just need to have an account with the partner app. Yep. And um, you know, Split doesn't hold any information. Split doesn't hold any uh, sort of payment. The payment goes through our partner apps. Um, we are literally just a, we, we are we are sort of the centralized um, entity that um, that um, simplifies the invoicing relationships. Mm -hmm. Uh, as well as technical integrations. So essentially, our, our partners own, own their users and they just need to have um, you know, their, their accounts or their profiles within, within the partner ecosystem. So in terms of payments, they are also able to pay for their rights using loyalty points, mm -hmm. for example. Okay, so as the head of partnerships then, yeah. you've come from a B2C yeah. background. Yeah. Where people have a strong, people know who Trivago is. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, everyone knows who the Trivago girl is, yeah. which is one of those weird internet phenomenons, yeah. isn't it? But um, I don't know who came up oh, with that. Oh, the Trivago guy we as well, yeah. He's oh, is there? Yeah, yeah, that was the original Trivago, Trivago person. Like oh, I feel sorry for that person. <laughs> yeah, everyone seems to have forgotten about him. But, but you've got the, the B2B offering here. Yeah. Does that present you with a problem? Because obviously people, are, people will have a, a loyalty to Trivago or they'll have a loyalty to say Uber or whatever else yeah. when they're using a ride hailing, yeah. but they won't have a loyalty to, to split. So it must make your job a little bit harder to position it and to sell it. Yeah, yeah, only, only slightly, because um, you know, um, in the end, you know, we, we, we do want the users to have the lo loyalty and increase engagement with our partners mm. um, and their apps and their businesses. And we want to enable that um, by providing our services um, and our products are supposed to increase that, that retention or their, their, their loyalty within the app because users, end users or travelers, put it simply, will never have to leave our partner apps in order to get everything that they want when it comes to, when it comes to transport or ride hailing. Mm. The whole booking process happens within um, the, 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 the partner's native app. So, um, you know, in, in this case, it's quite a happy problem to have. Like, we, we're not, that also makes us, we're not we're not fast with you know owning the customers. We're not we're not we're not there to say okay we want to convert customers into you know the, the, the splits app because we currently we don't have an app. We're, we're we're sort of behind the scenes. We are the the core tech behind this right hailing connection. Yeah. Um, um, and and it, it is challenging um, because we're not able to market uh, the business uh, the same way we did I, mean, I did with with B two C. You're not able to segment the audience or target them. Um, um, in a way um, that, that 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 could increase, uh, you know, uh, increase um, the awareness for, for for the company. So we've sort of built our, um, our reputation through word of mouth, really, and all the partners and all the businesses that we're working with. Out of interest, who who tend to be your main stakeholders within the business? Um, so right healing companies, as mentioned on one side, we have the providers or, or the suppliers yep. uh, of the right healing companies. Um, and, and on the other side, travel companies at the moment. And in future, we're, we, we will be increasing um, our offerings to not just ride hailing, but also, um, you know, bike sharing, e-scooters. But is, is it within those businesses, is it, say, 
is it your counterpoint head of partnerships or is it even maybe a CFO? Because if you're, if you're simplifying their invoicing or something along those lines, I'm just wondering who it is that you tend to try and interact with in, in those partners. And oh, those that's interesting. That's actually a mix of everything, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, so it's, it's, it's a mix, you know, business, uh, business, business dev, um, set of executives, mm. um, deal with a lot of CEOs as well. Right. Because um, uh, tech people, uh, CFO, uh, CTOs, they're, you know, they, they're the ones, you know, who, who will get involved quite soon in the conversation if they're interested because they need to understand our, our, our APIs and how we, our product essentially and how, we, how they might be able to connect to our product um, easily. Um, so, so, yeah, it's, it's, a mix of, it's a mix of everyone really. So look, you're, yeah. you're, ahead, of, you're ahead of partnerships. Yeah. You've, you've been involved in partnerships for a long time. Now you're at Travago, what, five years? Yeah, yeah. So you've, you've worked in the tech space. Yeah. If you were talking to other people in this kind of role, and partnerships are so so fundamental to the growth of tech startups, yeah. what makes a good partnership? What should they be looking out for when they're talking to to a to a potential partner partner business? That's a, that's that's a very good question. Um, I think it's important not to not to stake out for mm-hmm. for for potential partners for the sake of it. Um, what we do here at Split, we, we tend to look at businesses um, and, and, and uh, we try to do our market research. Yeah. Um, and then we try to we try to identify which companies um, that have already a large uh, loyalty or, or large audience base, um, but who also lack um, the, 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 the transport um, and still revenue bit of it. Um, you know, we, companies, the companies that we deal with mainly right now, I mean, right hailing is virtually um, unheard of or, you know, un, un, like, unfamiliar to the, to, the, to the people that we talk to uh, currently on the, on the demand side of our platform. So when they find out about our, our um, services, they're like, oh, okay, if it's this simple with just one API integration that mm. we want to explore. Um, and, 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 and that's, that's essentially it. Right hailing is completely a, a sort of new territory and it's just starting to gain, um, traction, you know, with, with, with booking holdings, half a billion investment mm. into, into DV, for example, it's sort of opened up, um, people's, um, you know, uh, you know, it's, it's on people's radar at the, at the moment. You mentioned that ride hailing's gaining traction. Yeah. Obviously we're working in a space that does change yeah. remarkably quickly and yeah. regulation is changing all the time. Yeah. Um, and you mentioned uh, before we started recording that it was actually regulation that caused Split to originally pivot from, from being B2C to B2B. That's right. Um, look, I'm not going to go into, obviously, the, the details of things like the Uber strike a couple of days ago yeah. and, and that side of things. <laughs> Everyone's aware of the challenges around the gig economy and tech, but what positive disruption do you see that, I suppose, in different global localities that you kind of go, there's some really good stuff happening here, and this is this is why you know the technology exists from a, from a positive perspective. Yeah, I think I think in other parts of the world, um, you know, tech itself. I mean, they, they maybe because of differences in regulation, um, but but I often I often point to um, cities such as um, L.A., um, Helsinki, Singapore, mm-hmm. um, as as as, as um, you know um, cities in countries that are. Um, true innovators um, when it comes to mobility. Um, take for example, Wim, um, a company in, uh, based in Finland, um, Helsinki. They're sort of democratizing um, and uh, 
you know, separate companies that are working in silos and um, really putting the customers first, giving them the, the options um, of, 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 of travel in whatever mode that they want, what's best for them rather than, um, you know, for the, for the companies. Um, whereas, um, I'm just going to take London just because it's closer to home. Um, you know, it's personally, I feel that they, it's, they're stifling innovation a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, and this is, it's not just, just us and the running that we had with CFO a couple of years ago. Um, you know, as, as many of you know, um, you know, Uber's lost their permanent license um, here, Taxify, um, Taxify as well. Um, sure, there are, you know, new, new companies always coming up like Via Van. Um, but largely, you know, the, the customers don't have the, the options or, you know, the, the, the broad um, range of services that they could have if, if regulation wasn't so... You mentioned the word, we often think, we often use the word democratisation yeah. very yeah. freely. Yeah. But are tech companies actually giving users a seat at the table or is it, is it a bit of a term that I, I think gets used to kind of make everyone feel kind of warm and fuzzy? I think I think I think it's a bit of both, and regulators have a very big part to play in this. I mean, they're usually ones deciding. Okay, um, do we sort of allow an environment where monopolies exist? Mm. You know, the other ones, you know, having an overview of um, you know mergers or um, buyouts, which very often, and increasingly, it happens in the in the right hailing mm -hmm. right hailing space. So, so, you know, with, with, with that in mind, it's, yes, um, you know, as right-handing companies or, you know, companies in the mobility space, we, we want to give the customers as much choice as possible. Yeah. Um, but we can only do so much. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Split itself is a company, you know, where we're completely neutral. When we present um, choices to, to, to our businesses that they can then pass on to their customers, we don't go, okay, we prefer one partner over another. We literally, you know, we, 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 we aggregate all the connections that we have and we say, okay, these are the choices available. Whatever your customers want, it's, it's up to them. I mean, of course, the businesses that we partner with, they have a choice to also say, okay, we only want to work with certain companies. But assuming that they're, um, they're opening up, they're accepting all the connections that, 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 that Split has and presenting to the customers, the customers can then decide, right, I'm going to book this right because I value time over the price of yeah. the ride. And some of us will be like, I have enough time to wait. I would rather value, you know, I, I would rather have a ride that's much cheaper or I might pull with somebody else, uh, somebody else or a family might, might, might prioritize the size of the, mm. of, of the vehicle and say that, okay, I prefer like a bigger seat for so that neutrality yeah. is, is is fundamental to yeah, keeping absolutely. the users in, 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 in the driving seat yeah pardon pun with yeah. mobility, but. okay cool yeah. look it's a really interesting business it is uh, <laughs> and it's a london-based business which is yeah. always positive for the uk that yeah whilst there may be some blockers to innovation obviously yeah yeah, yeah. great that, that you guys are, yeah. are growing and doing so well here and i really appreciate you spending thanks. a bit of time to talk to us thanks for having me and uh <laughs> Lots yeah. of slippers, by the way. Thanks. All of us have a bit. Like. Cool. Thank yeah. you for your time. No, thank you. Cheers. Yeah. Right, Jack. I got rather excited. I thought you were interviewing someone from the new M. Night Shyamalan film, but oh. it's not. It's, no, no. Bad joke. Anyway. Yeah. What a way to start it off. <laughs> What's, what jumped out to you? Um, I, I mean, I want to touch on the positive stuff 
uh, Yeti said about the gig economy in a bit. But I think for me, I mean, we've been we sound like a broken record a lot of the time with, um, you know, don't go for low hanging fruit, stick to your guns and all the rest of it, you know, in the early days of raising funding yeah. and partnerships and stuff like that. But to, it's coming from a head of partnerships here, right? Who uh, it's come from Trivago and is now into split. So like a real travel kind of expert at partnerships. And she says, look, don't stake out for partners for the sake of it. Don't try and find the perfect partner. It needs to be organic. Um, but at the same time, if you do your market research properly, you will figure out who's best for you. So yeah, yeah, yeah. the minute you hear a partner or, you know, there's that imme- immediate conversation, you've got to hammer home your research. And it just feeds back to what we've been saying for the last sort of month or so, like avoid that low hanging fruit yeah. for the sake of it. To, to, to me, what, what it reminded me of, uh, funnily enough, was the interview with Carlo from Soldo. Yes, yes, from, yes. From the B2B proposition, I think what we're beginning to see uh, increasingly is where you have a successful B2B proposition for the mm. market startup, they are fixing one particular problem. They have that focus. You know, they started as a B2C business and they pivoted to B2B. Yeah, um, because of regulation, a successful pivot, yeah. Absolutely, but it was also, I, I think they've realized that ride hailing is unfamiliar to people that they want to talk to. Sure. Uh, they're surprised that it's so simple to fix with just one API solution. Mm. And they can go in there and, and just solve that little little piece that's missing in the market of let's let's introduce ride hailing to your to your services doesn't she say it's, 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 it's a, a great focus it's a couple lines of code going into the app and yeah. that's it sort of thing and it's like so many times we hear of these amazing new startups and so many times they're so simply sort of sought after or founded like yeah. the idea here is that it's you know one-stop shop for travel and it's a it's a, such a small part, and it sits in the in the original apps. I like it would sit yeah. sit in Cabify, for example, which I've used a couple of times actually. I like Cabify. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, look, it kind of makes sense because if you go to a city, and my my default now is to open Uber. Yeah, immediately. Yeah, yeah. Right, but if I'm on a business trip and I go to a city and Uber's not there, then having an app that you can go to that you don't you don't then have yeah. to go and research locally yeah. or oh, hang on what, what what is there in this city and you yeah. can just go into that and it's like oh, okay you're from x actually this country yeah. here's the services available and to you it's great and it and it, as she goes on to say it does give real consumer choice as, as a consequence i've never felt more pompous than going up to some like uh going up to an airbnb landlord or a hotel someone works in a hotel and be like can you book me a taxi please because I don't know what to do. I don't know yeah, yeah. to ring any local taxis on holiday. There's no Uber there. And I feel really horrible, like, ordering people around. Order me my taxi, please. But, you know, that's what you have to do sometimes. You're not going to stand out in the street hailing everyone down. So, I mean, it's great, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, that, that we touched on it earlier. Regulation caused splits pivot from B to B to B to C. Yeah, so, so look, I mean... I don't know if it was the sole cause, but it, it's certainly... So it's interesting because we, we, we talked to... Sorry, we asked her the question around innovation and what she sees around mobility yeah. in other cities. Yeah. And she points to LA, Singapore, and Helsinki. And she focused in on Helsinki and talks about Finland. Yeah, really did. And how yeah. she said it was de- um, democratizing uh, transport and ride hailing, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mobility rather, by putting customers in charge and not, yeah. not thinking about the company interest. Now, User at the table. Yeah, absolutely. Which is something we've been talking about recently as a very, mm-hmm. as very much a positive. And she suggests, you know, does, does London stifle innovation with TfL, yep, yep. with Uber, with Taxify, and obviously causing their pivot. But I suppose you could also, mm-hmm. on the flip side, say, well, the stronger regulation of TfL 
caused their pivot, which has been successful. Yeah, so yeah. There's, there's an element of <laughs> that helped yeah, them yeah. innovate and think about their proposition a little bit more carefully. Yeah, I think so. I mean, yeah, it, London's not an easy place to found a startup, of course. But do you know what I found interesting here? It's the second time in about a month we've heard Singapore again. We yeah. had the Port Tech um, Singapore leading that travel tech or uh, mobility tech, whatever you want to call it here. They're there again. Singapore's going to become the sort of, I don't know what you call it, the silicon... Maybe our listeners were, were aware of this and we, we're we weren't. Not. Yeah, but I'm now sure. We are. Yeah. Well, do you know my? I think it's Singapore. Na, they uh, within the last ten years have um, native otters living there now. They've founded they, because of the uh, climate and the amount of uh, rivers throughout the city and right. how clean it is. Otters have just started living there in the in the middle of a city. It's incredible. We need Lovely. to go to Singapore. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, but they, they do kind of say, look, we present options and it's consumer choice. Neutrality is key. Yeah. Um, and regulators can have that position. She, she, she kind of makes the, the point that a regulator has that overview of the, of the industry and it sees, especially in mobility when it comes yeah, to riding, yeah, 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 yeah. it can see what the mergers are going on. Yeah. So therefore, they, they really have a strong role to play. And it made me question, do we unfairly vilify large tech companies? They are businesses at the sure, end of the day. Sure, sure. It is not their prerogative mm. to create a fairer society. Sure, they should have some responsibility. CSR, yeah. But has to, yeah. At, the, at the same time, we shouldn't, oh, we shouldn't I, expect them to be um, benign in, in that way. I, I just think... It, it, is, it, is, it is like we place an unfair... Like, we judge them by a very high yeah. moral standard. Yeah. And... Well, regulators how... need to step up to the plate. I mean, I, I, I know it's tra- challenging because we all know that there should, right, no. there should be a, a great... We should hold people to a higher standard yeah, if yeah, we can. Yeah. But do we expect too much of big tech? I mean, morality comes into it and Facebook was founded so that you could figure out who was single at university, you know? Like, that Mark Zuckerberg didn't start his company of, out of a morale, uh, moral no. standpoint at all, as I imagine Jeff Bezos and Bill Gates didn't. Steve Jobs and Bill Gates actually might have, you know, they wanted to revolutionise stuff, but they're not thinking about corporate social responsibility and helping everyone oh, out. when Microsoft launched, I'm sure that that was not yeah. ever on their Yeah, plate. of course, of course. They I were mean, trying to build a company, make some money and yeah. sell some software, I exactly. guess. Exactly. So, I mean, we, we do... It's easy to vilify the big tech firms, especially when you hear what they do with your data and stuff like that and, and outprice you here and there. But, you know, they're, they're not, making I'm our not, lives better still uh, yeah, in a weird I'm not, way. I'm not saying that we should excuse no, we're the not data saying that. breaches no, and whatever no, else. No, but no. it did make me question. It did make me... Yeah. That, that line, you know, companies can only do so much. Yeah. Well, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. That is true. Yeah. And consumers need a bigger seat at the table. Yep. Uh, but that doesn't necessarily mean that tech should be the ones driving that. And if the regulators do have that oversight, they need to step up to the plate. It's, yeah. not, it's not enough to say governments don't get a good grip on this, therefore customers should be doing it. Yep. So, that's the job of governments to look after their citizens. Well, do you think regulators, and I think so, regulators and, and bodies like that should listen to tech companies more than they should listen to government? If, you know, if, they, uh, if, it's, if it's an influential conversation they're having with a party on either side, surely you'd rather hear the tech side. Yeah. Than, but I, I feel as though it goes the other way towards the government. But yes, it was, it was brilliant to have you on the show. Yeah. Uh, before we go to our advert break, actually, that conversation can allow me to plug our next event quite nicely. Yes. Because that is all yes. about the link between central, local government and tech startups in representing citizens. And that's on the 31st of January. Get it in your diaries, folks. Yeah, yeah. at Westworks, White City. And mm. we've got um, 
We've got Public involved, Johnny Hugo, who's on the show a couple yeah, weeks ago, yeah, the Lee's, yeah. the, the Lee's uh, researcher at Public. Also got Babylon involved, Babylon uh, AI, healthcare. Yep. Uh, and on top of that, we've got Safe in the City uh, founder, Gillian. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, yeah. We'll have a cracking evening. And it is going to be an episode of the podcast. So I know, come yeah. along. I know. We're going to be we're going to be doing. Jack's going to get involved. I'm, I'm on stage, listeners. It's a bad idea, isn't C- it? Come and throw tomatoes at me, by all <laughs> means. <laughs> anyway, time for our advert break. When we come back, we're going to be talking about the inspiring 50 UK with Yannicka. Um, so stay tuned. As our listeners are aware, we have a wonderful deal for them via Audible.co.uk forward slash Tech Talks. A free month's trial and christmas is coming up isn't it jack it very much is it's it's so close now people have got their christmas trees up shops have got their decorations out it's we're in the final rungs of the lead up to christmas now michael buble is around every corner exactly now if you go onto audible Mm. what would you buy for your christmas stocking filler do you know what? It's a little bit different, it's a little bit out there, but fans of the BBC programme People Just Do Nothing will know that the character, Chapadi G, has put out a comedy book, um, How To Be A Man, and it all pokes fun at his character and so on and so forth. And if you get the audio version, it's him narrating it as well. I'm sure it's delightful, it's not very festive. Not very festive, but I guarantee you it's hilarious. Good, well, for balance, you could also, of course, go on and download The Snowman and the Snow Dog. Yeah, or Charles Dickens' A Christmas Carol. Absolutely. So, audible.co.uk forward slash tech talks. Why don't you find yourself a little treat for the festive season? Have a book on us. Welcome back to Tech Talks. It is time for your dose of news on this lovely Monday at the beginning of Advent. This is newsworthy because it was announced last week at Google. It's in association with Founders Forum. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a list of 50 of the most inspiring, by no means, by the way, are these the only inspiring women, but 50 yeah. of, of, the, of, the, of, of, of women who certainly deserve recognition yeah. um, for their work in the technology industry. Before we dive into our thoughts on this piece, uh, I just want to play you a quick, and this is quick, a four minute interview with Yenika that was recorded at the event. So I'm chatting with Janneke, you are the founder of the Inspire 50 Awards. Inspiring 50, yes. Yes. And um, yeah, we started Inspiring 50 because um, we think role models are the key to getting uh, more women in tech. If she can see it, she can be it. And uh, there's these many amazing women out there. Uh, that people don't know about. So we want to make sure that they become more visible. I think that was an interesting point that came across from this morning, because I've often said to people, there are women role models in tech. When, when you hear this kind of like, you know, where are the women role models? Yeah. They're there. Yeah. So why aren't they visible? Well, um, first they need to be asked for interviews. I mm-hmm. also think that women themselves sometimes need to say more, hello, here I am, yep. uh, look at me, write about me, I'm doing amazing stuff and um, I think they often are focused on doing the actual work yep. and uh, I was similar myself, I assumed when I started in my career that if I would do the right thing, people would notice, yep. but that's just not true, uh, they don't, you need to actively point to yourself and that can be quite difficult. Do you think that's the strength of something like the Inspiring 50 UK and Inspiring 50 more generally, that it gives women 
that sense of, uh, I, I suppose, empowerment that their peer group are out there, that they are all singing from the same song sheet. And getting a hold of a microphone and telling people about their experiences is entirely the right thing to be doing. Yes, and that's also what we hear uh, from people that first, uh, being a part of Inspiring 50, they get approached more. Yeah. Um, some of the women, of course, are in the news already quite a lot, but not uh, all of them. And they really get asked more often, but they also feel empowered to actually speak up. They feel they have deserved it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think all women should know that they have deserved it, whether they are on the Inspiring 50 or not, should just should speak up. And this is the inaugural awards in the UK? Yes. How long has it been going? Since 2013, and yeah. we've done European versions, and yeah. uh, a large majority of the uh, European versions were women from the UK. So um, we, well, we, we were not very quick with starting the UK one, but then mm. we were like, yeah, but there's so many awesome women in the UK, so they should have their own version as well. And then we uh, partnered with Accelerate Her, which is part of Founders Forum, to make it happen here. Now. Obviously, London does have a really big, thriving tech community, but I suppose there's something innately British that we're not very good at putting ourselves forward. Are there other countries around Europe where maybe we could learn culturally where, where there is a better platform or, or where something is done in such a way that it does promote diversity or inclusion in a better way? Um, well, I think Sweden um, is a good example. Yeah. Um, but still there, there's in initiatives like Inspiring 50 who actively promote women. So even in countries where uh, the basis uh, is much better. It's still uh, very much necessary. And um, for example, in South Africa, mm. we've seen an even bigger impact because there there was hardly anything yet. Yeah. And, um, and so these, the women felt extra uh, uh, empowered to do stuff. They, there they are so grateful. It's, it's uncomparable to any other country. So yeah, that's really nice. And knowing that it helps the companies of these women right. is, is actually what we want. So that's uh, really good. So what's next for, for the movement, I suppose? Is, it, is a movement a good way of describing it? <laughs> well, yeah, well, let's not label it. But um, no, it's um, uh, we are expanding. Yep. And um, <clears throat> um, that's a good thing. And hopefully in the future, we can just end our organization. Because let's be honest, it's 2018, yep. and it should not be necessary to have to promote women in tech. It should be people in tech. Tech world should be diverse. It is the future, and um, uh, we can't have the future shaped and built by a small group of the population. So, um, to be honest, I really hope in the future we are lo no longer necessary. Well, look, thank you for a few minutes at the end of what's been a fantastic event. Thank you. Uh, so congratulations on that front. Thank and, you. Uh, I know there's plenty of people that you'll need to speak to. Yes. And will want to speak to you. So enjoy the rest of your day. Well, thank you. And it was fantastic to see so many people that we've had on the show involved. Oh, I mean, it just shows how good we're doing, doesn't it, Dave? <laughs> I mean, there's, there's one key point I want to pick up here. And I just, want to, I just want to give it a bit of backstory of how important this is, right? Now, when I was a young boy, I always wanted to be a footballer. Why? Because football was my life. I'd watch football every weekend, play it every day. And there was an icon for me to relate to every day. Dennis Bergkamp, poster on the wall, watch him on TV. I was going to ask him if it was Martin Keown, but no. Oh, no. I Ray mean, he Carter. was a bit of a hero of mine after that Ruben Nistelrooy incident. Okay. Uh, anyway, so I had constantly had um, a role model to look up to. Now, I was never going to become a professional footballer. I'm not that good. But it was easy for me to realise what I wanted at such a young age because there were so many role models. Yeah. 
Now, if you're a young developer or you know, if you're looking to get into tech from a young age, the icons, the, the role models are out there. It's just hard to find them all the time, you know? Yeah, and I think this is the interesting point because I've often heard it said, you know, there aren't enough female role models in technology. Yeah. That's rubbish. Yeah. I genuinely, yeah. genuinely will take anyone to yeah. task on this. Yeah. No, actually, yeah. there are some fantastic women who are just bloody good technologists, yeah. bloody good leaders well, of businesses in their own right. They're good technologists and leaders that, women, that are women, aren't they? They're out there. They're out there. Okay. The problem is, as, as Yannicka articulates correctly, is they tend to focus on doing work. And it was really interesting yeah. insight. You know, if I do the right thing, people would notice me. That yeah. was her mentality, and they didn't. Yeah. And she, she says, you know, you have to actively point to yourself. And women themselves need to say, hello, I'm here. And I, and I think of some of the people that, that I know in technology. Yep. So uh, I hope she doesn't mind me um, pointing a finger to her, but Cheryl Razzle, who's one of the heads of um, NHSBC Digital, yep. uh, has recently been doing more and more public speaking, hosting events, nice. and she's loving it. And for years, she's been really scared of getting up on stage in front of rooms of people I and bet. talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And anyone can find that yeah. scary. Still do. But now she's getting up there on stage and I know she's having a really positive reaction to it because because she's got a really inspiring story to tell. Yeah. But up until this point, she's she's been focused on doing the work and not pointing the finger at herself going, hey, I'm here. And and more, more technologists who happen to be women yeah. need to do that because actually men do. It's one thing yeah, we're very yeah, good at. Yeah. It's we, being we, egocentric. We, we right? are egocentric. Yeah, yeah, it's easy. Uh, yeah. But, you know, unfortunately, because we are, more women need to do the same. I totally, totally understand it, though. And, you know, I always have to try and put a heavy caveat on myself being like, well, you are a white male, Jack. You've had it easy. But if you're, if you're, if you're one of these, uh, well, if you're a woman in tech, you are going to be solely focused on the job at hand because you're going to feel as though, and I, I apologize if I'm generalizing here or anything like that, but you're going to feel like you've got a point to prove because of all of this women in tech, women that you see it everywhere. There's a shortage of women in tech. So when you work in that market, you're going to feel pressure to succeed, first and foremost, to succeed. Now, you're going to, you might get lost in yourself and really focus on your work. And then it makes it harder to scream about how good of a job you're doing because yeah. you're so focused on that. So I suppose what Yannick is trying to say here is take, take half a day to just start tweeting about how good a job you're doing or, you know, ringing up some people like us and saying, I'll come on your podcast and tell you how amazing I am and get the, get, just get it out there. I saw an amazing thread that Sean actually retweeted uh, on Twitter over the weekend. And it was a, um, it was something quite simple like black technologists of Twitter unite and then they just started a thread so this woman tweeted a selfie of herself um, I'm a front and back end developer on to the next one and honestly they had about 40-50 people within an hour all black technologists getting involved on this tweet yeah, yeah. and it was incredible to see there was retweets coming left and right and it's like this needs to be happening daily like p keep doing this everyone women everyone needs to keep doing this it's yeah because we know you're out there yeah you know, it's all about, as, as Yannicka uh, expresses, it's all about empowering women to speak up, to make them understand that they have deserved yeah. it. It's not whether or not they deserve it. They, they already have done yeah. the work to deserve it. Yeah. And it's just giving them a platform. Yeah. yeah. Which is hopefully what we can do on occasions. Yeah. Um, when we're not being egocentric about ourselves. <laughs> Obviously, we come sometimes first. Sometimes we are. <laughs> no, uh, I'm joking. I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> anyway, look, uh, that brings us to the end of today's show. We'll be back on Thursday. But until then... One more show for you. Yeah, one more show for me. Dave's leaving the podcast. I'm not leaving the podcast. <laughs> I'm going on holiday. 
yeah. and unwisely handing the reins entirely over to you. It's going to be uh, it's going to be a fun couple of weeks. It's only one week actually, isn't it? Though? No, no, it's four shows. Four shows. Wow, you're going to come back and we're going to have lost a whole lot of listeners. Yes, that's my fear. Anyway, <laughs> uh, until Thursday, have a lovely week. Have a lovely week, Gooners Unite.